What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here for the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast. We are Daryl Slater. We're coming off our bye week. Daryl, how was your time time away from this uh, this team? Good. Little <laughs> uh, still writing a little bit, obviously during the bye week about the Giants. But uh, yeah, it was nice to get a little break, not have to come up to East Rutherford, not go through all that traffic and all that. Yeah, I, I actually I was actually down in Florida, so I'm going right back for this week for this game. Um, but yeah, so before we get into like previewing and, and all that stuff, I think we should cover the big news from today, uh, which is Logan Ryan. Uh, it's kind of a big deal. He he uh, was kept out of practice today due to COVID-19 protocol. It turns out he was a close contact, tested negative yesterday, tested again this morning, and it was a positive test. Um, in theory, if he tests negative twice it, after 24 hours, so once and then it has to be more than 24 hours after that. Uh, and then he'd be cleared to go. But the odds of that happening, if it's not a false positive, which the Giants are saying is not, uh, there's a pretty good chance he doesn't play this week. And it also would be a decent chance he doesn't play next week either. It's 10 days uh, is the usual time that uh, until they get activated off the list. But what, what was your, what was your kind of takeaway from all that stuff we heard today? Yeah, I mean, obviously really bad timing for Logan Ryan for a couple reasons because, um, you know, like you said, it could knock him out for a couple games. He's a big part of the Giants' secondary. Their coverage has played much better lately. They'll need to have a really good defense, a really good secondary on Monday night against Tom Brady, obviously. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's a big blow for them. And uh, he, he had a close contact away from the facility, yeah. so it wasn't like another player. So this isn't a situation, it seems like right now, that's where... Um, other players have to quarantine. Right, yeah. other players could test positive. So it's an isolated case right now, but obviously an isolated case involving uh, a really significant player for, for this Giants defense, which has played better of late. And you have to wonder, uh, you know, how much of a setback this is for this group going into this game against just a really talented offense and obviously, the, you know, the best quarterback ever. Yeah, I mean, we should get in. So, ironically, I mean, maybe not ironically is not the right word, but we spoke to him on Thursday uh, in a press conference setting, and, you know, we were talking a lot about Tom Brady and going against him and being teammates with Tom and all these anecdotes, and it turns out those all kind of have to get thrown out the window. But um, in terms of what it means, I think we can cover that a little bit here. Uh, they already don't have Jabril Peppers for the year, obviously. So they were light on safety at safety. Um, they've gotten, they've been able to get creative covering tight ends lately where they've had James Bradbury go on Darren Waller and on uh, Travis Kelsey, and it worked really well. But they can't really do that this week because the Buccaneers also have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, I'm guessing Bradbury covers Evans again. Evans killed him last year. And then Rob Gronkowski is making his return this week. And Gronk, you know, he's past his prime, but he's still a threat. And so now you have to play likely Julian Love as the other starting safety when, you know, he'd been kind of playing all over the formation, kind of valuable backup role. Now he has to plug in at safety. Um, you're going to have to wind up playing guys like a J.R. Reed who hasn't played a single defensive snap for them. You probably didn't even know he was on the team. Um. <laughs> I didn't realize he came back from his uh, the successful NBA career. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so they're light at safety now um, against, like you were mentioning, like just an elite offense with the best quarterback of all time. Like if you, if you thought they could say be competitive this week, I don't like how does how much does this impact how you think this game goes? Just the one player not being in the game. Oh, hugely. Yeah. I mean, even even if you know you talk about past their prime. I mean, Logan Ryan is not you know not that he was ever not a, a pro great bowler, player. Yeah. You know, he, but he's not as good as he once was. Um, but he is a guy who s- seriously helps the communication level on the back end of that defense. Now you're going to be looking to 
Xavier McKinney, a second-year guy uh, who obviously has a ton of talent to not only um, – He's going to have more responsibility now. Yeah, yeah. will not only handle the physical aspects of the game but also handle the kind of conveying of calls throughout the back end of that defense. Now, obviously, yep. the calls go through Tate Crowder, the middle linebacker, in terms of the radio thing in his helmet and the speaker. Green dot, uh, yeah. Yeah, so from Patrick Graham calling the calls in. So, But, you know, there, there has to be a guy in the, who's the captain of the secondary, and that clearly uh, is Logan Ryan, and um, the Giants will, will definitely miss him in a game that they really already had a really thin margin for error, um, and so it, it gets shrunk even more. Yeah, and so, you know, that now you, you figure the Buccaneers are going to get their points in this game, and so the Giants – are going to have to win like a high-scoring game if they want to upset the Buccaneers. And they haven't been able to play in a high-scoring game in two years since Pat Shermer was a coach. They literally haven't scored 30 points offensively under Jason Garrett, the only team in the NFL in that stretch. Um, but we should say on the other side, like in, there are there is some good news. Um, they always get the good with the bad, I guess. But, you know, Saquon Barkley, he's practiced all week. He spoke to me today. I missed some of it because I was doing a different interview, but – um, it seems likely that he plays on Monday, whether it's a full workload or not, who knows. Andrew Thomas has been practicing this week. I think he's the more important return. Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney, both full participants of practice, maybe the first time since the beginning of the season or that Saints game. Um, how, how do you feel about where this offense is at, and was there anything interesting to take away from what Saquon talked about today? Um, not really. I mean, he, yeah. he was sort of the usual, but uh, I think in terms of if you look at this offense – uh, they're obviously going to have everybody on the field. Resume, besides Shepard, probably. Yeah, besides yeah. Shepard. I mean, Shepard would be the only one. And really, in the Saints game, where their offense had their best game of the year, he didn't play. Yeah. Uh, he didn't play, and Slayton didn't play. So this will be as, as full strength as they've been, um, you know, really since they, they had all that season, great yeah. game against Saints and all season. So um, I, I would think that, you know, against this Bucks defense, which has been good at times, but not necessarily great. Uh, obviously, Todd Bowles throws a lot at you in terms of, Confusion and all those sort of things, and disguising, uh, disguising coverages and blitzes. So that'll be an issue for Daniel Jones, I'm sure. But look, and Daniel Jones has started 35 games in his career. At some point, you have to be able to uh, to handle the complexities. And I and and now he'll have his whole line or his, his entire whole line as much as he's possibly able to have right now because of the season-ending injuries to other guys, uh, and and basically all his skill position players. So. Look, I think, honestly, the, the, the excuses here are, are starting to go out the window in, in the second half of the season, You know, presuming guys can stay healthy. Health-wise, yeah. If you're Let's see what this guy's out. made of. Let's see what this guy's actually made of because, yeah, I mean, you're always going to be nicked up. You can't ever expect to have a full 100% participatory offense. Uh, you know, They lose Nick Gates, but, yeah, that, that shouldn't be like a difference back-breaking thing for this offense. Um, so yeah, the center should never games, like change everything. Eight yeah. games to go. Let's see what Daniel Jones is made of. There's some winnable games out here. This may this is not one of them, obviously, but um, but this is a game where I think you know if he plays well. If you look at this thing in the big picture, you're talking about a three and six team, and I get the playoff stuff, whatever. <laughs> but the you know I think if you look at the macro here, a lot of the rest of the season is about Daniel Jones and rendering some kind of judgment on him. Yeah, I, I think that's the storyline the rest of the way. I, I know. You know, everybody wants to talk about Dave Gettleman's future. Um, I think in, unless they have some amazing turnaround and they make the playoffs, he's almost certainly gone, you'd think. But, I mean, I thought that last year, so who knows. But, um, you know, I would think that uh, he's. you can probably just assume he's gone unless something crazy happens. Jason Garrett would be a question. Um, I get the. I still feel like they'll probably bring him back unless it's a disaster the second half, which is possible. So it comes down to Daniel Jones. Um and like you said, like the schedule, like on paper, is not full of like great defenses. They have like the Eagles twice. The Dolphins have a pretty good defense actually for a bad team. 
Um, and you're playing the Cowboys, whose defense isn't amazing. You have the Chargers, um, who have been beatable. And Washington again, who the Giants scored 29 points again. So um, we really need to find out where, like, Daniel Jones right now, you know, how many touchdowns? They have only a six or something eight. like that, right? He has eight touchdowns in, uh, in nine games. Which this is pretty year. crazy. And he had 11 and 14 last right. year. So he's averaging over the, since under Jason Gary, he's averaging fewer than or less than whatever the proper way of saying it is, one touchdown per game. You're talking about a guy who, and I only know because I wrote this, <laughs> wrote yeah, yeah. this t- for today, I think. He had 20, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have it in front of you, 24 touchdowns in 13 games as a rookie. He hasn't so, had that combined in the in many more games since then. Yeah, so he basically... In 23 games, he has 19 touchdowns when he had 24 and 13 as a rookie. Yeah, so. right. So he went from basically two a game to... It's crazy. ...to under, under one a game. So, um, obviously, you know, this is a guy who is not... Now, there's been issues around him, of course. The line, yeah. not being able to throw that ball down the field, not having healthy skill position guys. But, look, I think, you know, he's going to have that. He's going to have his left tackle who's been playing better uh, this season. He's going to have Andrew Thomas down the stretch. Now, again, unless these guys get hurt. But he's going to have these skill position guys. So, um, you, you'd think uh, that the, the production would go up if he if he does indeed have it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I mean it, it needs, like, it's they paid all these money for all these guys, and they're all going to be active now. And they drafted all these offensive linemen, and besides... I mean, Shane Lemieux wasn't even good before he got hurt anyway. Like, so, like, they have everybody they were supposed to. But the, but the fact that the offensive line is bad, like, it's interesting. This kind of ties into it. Like, you talked about how, you know, they're not really able to do as much because the offensive line is bad. Jason Garrett, like, basically admitted that yesterday, which was kind of, I mean, he's kind of, like, passing the blame over to Dave Gettleman, essentially, which is interesting. Um, you know, essentially, you know, they've had to use, they've used Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith as basically extra blockers. They played Corey Cunningham. 13 snaps the last game, and all of them were as an extra. He's an offensive lineman, and he played tight end, essentially. Like That's, that's like a, a very large number of snaps. Colin Johnson has basically been a run-blocking wide receiver, uh, pass-blocking wide receiver. Um, so they've had to, like, do you know, basically use up, you know, spots in the lineup where you can only have 11 guys on the field, and they've had to use a lot of them as offensive linemen. They got lucky on that one play where they had that, you know, heavy package, and they found Evan Ingram down the field. Um, but it's just interesting like they've just they instead of like being willing to take these risks down the field they've become this conservative team that's scared to do anything but they're still losing so i don't really get what they're accomplishing like just the fact that your offensive line is bad i get that makes it difficult but i still don't get the reluctance to try and get big plays i, I, I think this team it's very bill belichickian of joe judge to feel this way but i think they're they are fine with having 15 play drives even if they only end in a field goal they like draining clock I think that that's just what they're going to be under Joe Judge. It's not exciting. It's not fun, but that's kind of the vibe I get. Well, the whole object obviously is is to score points, right? Yeah, and, and so, that's their theory. Yeah, and, and and right. So that's their theory. And I, you were, we were talking about this yesterday about the Giants being open to you know playing that kind of uh, I don't know if small ball would be the right word, but slow ball type game. Yeah. If, if that, just to make up a phrase and going it, for singles instead of home runs. And, yeah. So here's a stat: like the Giants have scored points, not just touchdowns, points. On 35% of their drives a season, that's 22nd in the NFL. So their approach is not even paying off. Like if they were getting a field goal every time, that's 100%, right? So well, and they're the worst team at scoring touchdowns in the red zone too. They so, are last yeah. in the NFL yeah. in red zone offense, and I think they were either last. They're second, second to last. The Jets were worse last year. Last yeah. year, yeah. So my goodness, I mean, they're not even accomplishing the objective of. Yeah, even if you take out scoring touchdowns in the red zone, that's that right there. 35% of their drives end in points. Points. That any kind of points. So, like, 
how does that compare to the rest of the NFL? 22nd. So no matter how you slice it, um, whether they're moving the ball slowly or moving the ball quickly, they're not scoring. Like, and, and that's and it's the same, whole It's the same conversation we were having all of last year. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can just say how, the, how bad of an offense that they've been, but, you know, they, they want thing to try they, to... The thing is, they do get to the red zone. They just don't ever, like, finish those drives, which right. is a, a bigger... It's almost worse than never getting to the red zone. Right. And so, you know, something has to give here. At some point, it's going to be somebody's fault besides the injury's fault. This nebulous unavailability, right? Yep. Uh, they're not the only team that has injuries. And, so. they're, and, and they're not the only team that is shorthanded talent-wise. At some point, you, you know, look... Dave Gettleman's done a really poor job, and he's probably going to pay for it with his job. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can't put it all in the GM. At some point, you know, you have to, to be go a, out there and do a it, quarterback yeah. who's able to overcome it, an offensive coordinator who's able to overcome it, to a degree of maybe being, like, above 20th in some of these rankings offensively, which they're not. So if they were in, like, the hovering in the 15s or the 14s, you could say, oh, look, you know, they're doing a lot with a little. Um, but they're not doing anything with a little. So, like... At some point, it's got to be someone's fault besides um, besides the general manager. And, and they're at a point here where I think it's going to turn, the worm is going to turn here toward Daniel Jones. Or I have the same, the right way of saying that, word, that <laughs> phrase. You're like Patrick Graham right now. What does that even mean? But like, I think <laughs> it's going to, um, the you know, sort of the blame arrow is going to start pointing, I think, a little bit more at Daniel Jones now that he has these assets back if they're unable you to. Because you can't just keep making the same excuse when they're actually here. Yeah, yeah the excuses are, are going away. And I should say, and, you know, they have they invested $72 million in Kenny Galladay, and they used a first-round pick on Kadarius Tony, and they, neither of those guys have scored a touchdown yet. Remarkable. I mean, Kenny Galladay has been a massive disappointment, largely because of injuries, which were a What's concern a, for yeah, him coming in. Yeah, which were a thing with him coming in. Um... You kind of alluded to this earlier, and it's going to wind up having to be a part of the discussion whether we want it to be or not. Is that because of this extra wild card spot, they are just legitimately in the playoff race right now, and they probably will be for most of the rest of the way unless they lose a lot of games in a row here. But they're three and six. Um, I'll pull up the standings now. The Falcons just lost last night. I think they were tops in the in the standings at the the wild card spot. They're and the four Falcons and five. are so bad. The Falcons are terrible. And I the, mean, the Giants lost to them, by the way. The crazy thing about the NFL putting this wild extra wild card. I mean, obviously they do it. For I get TV the idea money, of it. Yeah, but every year, every year, yeah, the the, the, of, the Panthers at five and five, who the Giants the Giants beat twenty five to three, are at seventh. They just picked up Cam Newton off the street as their starting quarterback. They're the most likely to make it right now. Like, this seventh team every year, either both of them in each conference or one of them, is just going to be a terrible team. You're going to have a terrible team making – at least one terrible team making the playoffs every year. So from a competitive standpoint, it's just – it's silly. Um, I think the way they had it before was obviously better. I mean, I understand the TV money aspect of it. But yeah. but you're right. I mean, the Giants mathematically are going to be but, but what in the, it. The thing people leave out, like when they say they're in it, they they have to jump one two three four five. They have to jump six teams in order to get into it. Like that's it's not like as cut so and dry. Thirteenth. They are they are going to be playing a bunch of these teams coming up. You like they have the Eagles twice. Um, they've already played the Falcons, the Panthers. They play the Bears at the end of the year. They're three and six. Um, I don't know. So they're like again. We you and I have talked about this a bunch. Like everybody wants to point to their schedule being easy the rest of the way, but that. They're not a good team, so they're not gonna. They're not like a lock to win it. You can't just say like, yeah, they're gonna win this game. The reality is, you can say they're probably gonna lose to the Buccaneers, and so then you're three and seven. The odds are they're not gonna beat the Eagles both times. They haven't done that in a very long time. Um, and so then you know, then you're in theory four and eight, and then you have to beat the Dolphins who have played better lately. You have to beat the Chargers who are a good team. You have to beat the Cowboys who are a good team. 
you have to beat Washington. The last like, that's a lot. That's a lot. You have to you have to go like six and whatever over the last. Yeah, I think if you look at their last two games, Washington, Chicago, those are winnable games. The Dolphins game is a winnable game. That's three. So that would give them six wins. Yeah. Um, well, so and you, then you, and then maybe they steal one from the Eagles. Those would be those are the games. You say you you think you probably you need at least eight wins probably probably nine wins in order to make the playoffs. I oh, that, think. I don't think so. Think. They would have to go either six and. Six and two, or five and one, right? Or I'm not I'm doing the math wrong. Five and three, or I think their ceiling total is yeah. seven and ten. Yes, that's their ceiling, and I don't think seven and ten is going to get you in. No, that's my. I mean, just doing the math right now, chalking up a loss on Monday, and then wins over one over the Eagles, then Washington, Chicago. I'm not even going in order, and the Dolphins. Yeah, those are the winnable games, right? Even if you say they split against the Eagles. That's seven. Win- I feel like John King here, right? So like that's <laughs> seven. That's seven and ten, and. I don't think seven and ten gets you in. No, and that doesn't save anybody's job. Probably, unless, I mean Jones maybe sticks around if he looks okay in those games. But like that's it's Gettleman like, should be gone at seven and ten. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, like you you can also you can also see the scenario where they get those wins all at the end, and John Mayer is like, yeah, we see progress. Yeah, we play well at the end play of the well season. The I mean that. I don't. We beat we beat the Eagles twice in the in the in Washington. I don't know. That's pretty good division wins. I did. <laughs> they, he likes John Mayer. John Mayer likes Dave Gettleman, and so um, you know maybe he finds an excuse to keep him. But I just, if you look at it objectively, and you don't even have to look at it like coldly and harshly. I think just at a through a basic objective lens, now, another double digit loss season at seven and ten should not be enough. I mean, they went all in this year to be a winning team, so right. they spent a lot of money, and they don't have cap space next year now. So right. Um, all right. Before we go, we can. Uh, What's your prediction for this game? I, I had thirty-one to twenty before the Logan Ryan stuff. Um, hmm. I would say the Buccaneers probably score more than that now, maybe thirty-five to forty range. Um, yeah. Where, where, what's your prediction? I had twenty-eight to twenty box before this. I'll give them another touchdown and make it thirty-five to twenty. They'll cover that eleven-point line. I mean, keep in mind it's on the road on Monday Night Football against Tom Brady, who is coming off two losses. So. And he and this is a crazy stab. Brady in his entire career. Um, yeah, you said this. He's earlier. lost three straight games, like one, just once ever, and it was when he lost four straight in uh, in two thousand two. So, <laughs> I mean, that's an insane. I mean, stab. another this isn't football related, but you also pointed this out. I think to Joe Judge the other day. He's like he's like four or five years older than Joe. Like that's like yeah. significantly older than. Yeah, him. I mean yeah. it's crazy. I think Brady's what forty three and Joe Judge is thirty. I mean, there's a bunch of coaches where he's older than them in the league now because there's a bunch of young guys. But that's still just why I can't imagine it's happened many times in history where a player is that much older than the coaches in the league. It's it's remarkable. I mean, you count, if you take it all of Tom Brady's games into account, I was talking to one of the other writers and the. It's a simple addition to do, like add his playoff record and add his regular season record and starts. He's won seventy six percent of every game he started. Seventy six percent. I mean, it just puts into context like how remarkable his success has been. Yeah. Uh, and it just shows. Obviously, a guy who wins that often is not going to lose three straight pretty much ever, which has been the case. And so the Giants are would be making history on 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 Monday if they won this game. I think it would tie for their fourth biggest uh, point spread upset in the last like thirty two years uh, with the Seattle game last year. So. Uh, we were probably having a similar podcast back then, saying they had no chance <laughs> to win that game. Uh, I I feel just as strongly about this game, um, but uh, we'll see. I, and I do think the Bucks cover the eleven. All right, we'll wrap it up on that note. Uh, we'll come back with you guys next week. Um, it'll probably be Thanksgiving by the time you guys hear from us again. So happy Thanksgiving in advance, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>